This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a podcast from Joy's jazz show, Bent Notes. Tune in live each Sunday night at joy.org.au. My special guests on Bent Notes are two musicians who studied in the classical stream, but who have discovered that their studiousness serves them well in the world of jazz. Guitarist James Sherlock has worked with the who's who of jazz musicians across the globe and has a number of jazz albums to his credit as leader. Double bass player Ben Hanlon is a member of the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, but discovered early in his studies that he could enjoy both classical and jazz worlds, and one of his claims to fame is appearing on a video production with the Wiggles. It's my pleasure to welcome to Bent Notes James Sherlock and Ben Hanlon. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, David. Hello. Ben, featuring on the Wiggles, what was that about? And more importantly, did you have a special colour of T-shirt? No, I don't believe we did. It was an MSO Wiggles Meet the Orchestra DVD that ended up on a lot of Qantas flights as well. And I think they put me on the Wiggles website as having a profile as a double bass player. And I actually got a lot of emails from the United States asking me about sending little recorded messages for birthdays and things because they were so into the double bass bit of the Wiggles. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I had completely forgotten about it, but yeah, that happened. <laughs> oh, that that is wonderful. Me about it. <laughs> no, I didn't tell you about it. I, I went on tour with the Tasmanian Symphony, and it was on the flight. All of the flights we were on, it was in the in-flight entertainment, and there's a menu where I'm spinning my bass next to Emma, the yellow wiggle, and they took great pleasure in putting it on as many screens as we left the plane as possible to sort of tease me about it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Ben, from your perspective, why is it so important that the Wiggles were able to show the instruments of the orchestra to children? I think it's always important to uh, have children getting interested in any type of music really early and as much as possible to show them all the instruments that are possible to hopefully get them interested in playing one or multiple instruments. And so I think, I think any time you can get kids listening to uh, an orchestra or a jazz band or a rock band or anything, really, and you know, demonstrate the instruments to them is a good thing because uh, future musicians or people that really enjoy music are bound to come out of it. Indeed they will. James, across your career, have you seen the effect that introducing music to young children can have? Uh, yeah, it, 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 is, it, it is interesting. I guess, uh, you know, I think about my, my own kids, so they're both really musical and that, but and they can just sort of slip in and out of playing music, but they they really like music and they're really into it, and they listen to all sorts of things. And they, it just I think it, I think genuinely just playing something when you're young creates an awareness that even if you don't end up playing something or or being a musician or whatever, it just creates a general awareness that's that it exists in the world and it's not just something that happens. People actually have to do it. And I suppose part of that is to engender the sense of, well, I can actually make music myself if I really want to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. James, I read an introductory blurb to an album from a group called Ragadolls, I think it might be pronounced. A group... Oh, or, that's a while ago. Yeah, I think they described themselves as a salon ensemble with whom you featured on their album Wordless Meanings back in 2001. Yes. I was taken with some of what they used to describe themselves. In the beginning, there was harmony. Before anyone thought to ask the question, what sort of music do you play? before everyone became too busy to stop and listen anyway, 
Before music became the music industry, harmony was lost in a cacophony of meaningless words. I love those few sentences there. It suggests to me that it's the music, including the harmonies, that it's important, not the type of music, and that we need to take the time to just listen and appreciate. Is that philosophy something that you've seen developing amongst what we call the jazz community? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think Australia, I, I, do, I do remember that group. I think Australia generally has a pretty good attitude towards jazz, as in you can, you can take as much notice of it as you want as a thing. And I think just generally, well, especially at the moment because we're so out of touch with the rest of the world, you know, there, there is an encouragement to, to, to work some things out for yourself and, and I think that sort of suits the, this, the overall concept and spirit of being a jazz musician, having to find a few things for yourself, not having everything presented to you all the time. Take the effort to make something and uh, along the way learn something. Yeah, yeah. Ben, I read that you started to really enjoy playing music when you were introduced to jazz. Was that a case of only enjoying jazz, or did it bring with with it a more enjoyable appreciation generally across the classical works that you had been learning up until that time? Up until that time, the ensembles that I'd been playing with weren't orchestras or big ensembles, where the bass really is a lot more fun to play. You get to play the role designed for the instrument and be a lot more involved in a meaningful way in some really enormous music. I'd mainly been playing in small, low-level string groups or concert bands, and they're not really enjoyable to play in as a double bass player. They can be, but compared to being in a jazz band where you're really involved, you have a really active role, you have a lot to play, a lot to listen to, a lot to think about, and then eventually the same thing in an orchestra, the groups I'd played in up to that point weren't necessarily the most inspiring for a young musician. And then when I was thrown into the jazz band in high school, not only did I really enjoy listening to the music and getting excited about it, but it was the first time I really felt actively engaged in an ensemble. And as a bass player, I feel like ensemble music is the most enjoyable music to be involved in. It's not necessarily designed to be a solo instrument. And that's why I sort of, that's when I started to get really excited when I was playing with other people but feeling like I had a role. Did you have a sense that you're also being made to work harder? No, I think I wanted to play more. (laughs) (laughs) um, When you're at a lower level in a string ensemble, for example, the double bass part is going to be very dependent on how good the upper strings are. And if everyone's still learning, you're going to have to play some pretty rudimentary bass parts to enable the fiddles to play you know, the less difficult fiddle parts while they're learning. And so I was finding myself pretty bored. There wasn't a lot to play. And the same thing in concert band, you're in unison with a euphonium and a number of tubers, so you never really hear yourself. So I wasn't really feeling that involved. And then all of a sudden to be responsible for a walking line or a two feel or have a unison head with the rest of the band, all of a sudden I had a lot more to do and I found that really exciting. And I suppose having a sense of actually achieving something more more challenging and that that sense of being being there on top i suppose i think so i think it also sort of coincided with having played the instrument for a while and starting to get good at the instrument i got thrown into jazz band after about five years whereas i played in string ensembles from the start and so it it definitely coincided with me having gradually picked up an ability to play the instrument and so that helped too in that 
you know, the first five years in string ensemble, I was probably frantically trying to get any notes out. So that's probably contributed to not enjoying it as much. And all of a sudden, there were lots of notes there and lots of challenges. And now you've got the next challenge with James of putting a second duo album together, which you've just released, called Stravinsky. We're going to talk a little bit further about that. But I think we should have a a listen to a piece from the album as a bit of a teaser. We heard a little bit of Petrushka at the top of the program. Let's have a listen (laughs) to this particular piece. Circles Mysterio de Adolescence. Okay, let's have a listen to it. You're listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Find more podcasts and show blogs at joy.org.au. On Joy 94.9, you're listening to Bent Notes, where my special guests are guitarist James Sherlock and double bass player Ben Hanlon. Ben and James, your first duo album released a couple of years ago now was called Duo. This new album is called Stravinsky, an album with a particular focus. It's a particular focus on the works of Russian composer Igor Stravinsky, what is it about his works that caught your attention for your duo treatment? Oh, okay. On the first album, we sort of, we were still finding where the duo sat amongst the things James and I do together. We play in trios, we play in a bebop band every Wednesday night called Bop Stretch and played with a lot of singers. And so we were still finding what the repertoire would be for the duo. And we did a couple of classical arrangements that we really enjoyed. And so when it came to the second album, we thought maybe the best thing for the duo to do was more of that. And then in terms of how we found Stravinsky, it just sort of happened naturally. We started with the idea of just doing a couple of movements of Petrushka, and then we enjoyed that so much that we ended up doing a full suite from Petrushka, and then we sort of thought, well, if we're going to do that, why not tackle the Rite of Spring? Because, you know, it's the iconic one, and we, we had a go at that as well, and we really enjoyed it. So it sort of happened naturally over time. You're focused on on arranging orchestral works for improvising. There's so much in Stravinsky's works, as in an orchestral work, I suppose. Where do you start in selecting the segments that you want to use? Yeah, well, we, we we've got no hope of recreating any sort of you know or you know version of the whole thing or or any sort of version of the orchestra. So for me, it was it was picking out bits that I liked and bits that I thought had great you know, rhythmic interest and, and, and some good melodies. I think it's, you know, Stravinsky is not really known for melodic, you know, his melodic writing, but, but uh, you know, I think we all, we pick bits. And, I, you know, like playing guitar, you're kind of used to, you're used to listening to bigger works and trying to work out how you make miniatures of them to play on your own instrument because the guitar is, it can do lots of things, but it can't do everything. So you, you kind of get used to sifting through everything to find the little bits that you, that, that you like and that are possible. Once you've chosen those little bits that you like, what's your next step in putting together a, a piece for the duo? Well, if if I rem- recall, we, we would just listen to them. We would listen to them. We'd jot down the bits we thought might be interesting. We'd go away and try to figure out a way to do it on each of our instruments. We'd sort of 
divvy it up half-half and send each other an arrangement. And then the main thing to have fun with was to find what could the solo section be? What could the improvised section be? Would, would it be based on the harmony of a particular section or would it be the form of a particular section or the rhythm or just incorporating the melody into our own harmonic structure? And we did different versions of all of those for the tracks on the album. And generally to get that to work, we would need to get back together, jam on it, so to see what we thought was good and what we wanted to work on further. And then gradually over time, the solo sections came together. And once you've put them together, you play them, you record them, do you then feel that you've achieved your ultimate result or is there times when you want to go back and change them? <laughs> ultimate result. Um, I, I, think we did, I think we did pretty well on the recording. The, the, the thing that's good about recording as opposed to... Cause since we've recorded the album, we've we've played it. We played it. We played it once last year, the whole way through, uh, for the digital concert hall for a, um, a thing in the la- in a lockdown. You know, second lockdown or whatever. Yeah. It was, first lockdown, can't remember. And to actually play it from start to finish live is really difficult. The recording it was actually not too bad because you could record it in bits and and you know work on it. So the recorded the recorded version of it is something that I'm quite sort of happy with, quite proud of, which doesn't happen that often. It is a beautiful recording. Mine arrived in the post last week. I think it was Monday. It was uh, James. It went straight on, and it's been played a few times this week. It's it's such an enjoyable album. It's beautiful. Oh, great! Thanks. Mm. I mean, it is one of those things that we hope people will just listen to rather because. It's the type of thing that if you were a particularly uh, particular sort of jazz snob, you wouldn't listen to it, or if you were a particular Stravinsky snob, you wouldn't listen to it. You know, we've, we've had some unusual feedback about it. You know, let's not mention any public published reviews or anything. But we've had some sort of unusual. Obviously, whoever's doing the reviewing just doesn't a lot. Just can't just sit there and listen to it. It has to be, or you know, it has to come with all this baggage, which. Uh, you know, is is our fault for picking a, a, a much loved and respected work. You know, I, I, guess, I think we're a bit more used to doing that. I mean, Jerome Kern hated jazz versions of his songs, and you know, we'll I'll happily play Jerome Kern songs even though he hates it. You know, so I don't know. I, I just hope people will just sort of listen to it and enjoy it. And if someone doesn't go out there and try to do something a little different, we miss out on so much. So I congratulate you both on an achievement with this particular album. Unfortunately, your launch gig last week didn't get to take place. However, the album is available on Bandcamp. Just jump onto bandcamp.com and search for Stravinsky. The search result is the reddish-toned image of two men sitting atop rocks. I love the artwork. It does remind me, though, of the sets used for the original series of Star Trek. Was there a particular okay. was there a particular uh, mindset in terms of sitting on the rocks? <laughs> Not really. It was in All Nations Park in Northcote. A wonderful photographer called Sarah Walker worked with us on our first album, where we sort of superimposed coloured images of ourselves on the front cover. Yes. And we just wanted to work with her again and do something different. And she had the idea of going out at sunset and having having a couple of filters on the camera to make it slightly ready, but also get the colours of the sunset in the background. 
she suggested All Nations Park because those rocks look kind of otherworldly and different. And uh, yeah, I think we're pretty happy with how that came out. They do indeed. Ben Hanlon and James Sherlock, thank you both for your time tonight here on Bent Notes. It has been great to have the opportunity to chat with both of you. My best wishes for lots of interest in the album, the reworking of the works of Stravinsky for Duo. Thank you. My special Thank guest. you very much. A pleasure indeed to have you both. My special guests on Bent Notes have been guitarist James Sherlock and double bass player Ben Hanlon. You're listening to Joy 94.9. You've been listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Join us live each Sunday night on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.